You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm going to talk to you this morning about forgiveness. I'm going to probably rock the boat. And I'm going to tell you, I'm really going to probably rock the boat. Here's the deal. I have felt all week I was supposed to talk about this. And I had like all of yesterday set aside for two things. One of them was to work on this. And then my dog got hurt. And I had to sit in the ER with my the dog ER, right? It's, it's no different than your ER, by the way. You wait forever and pay a lot. Um, we were there for like six hours waiting on an x-ray. And I'm sitting there like trying to, and I'm not a good, I'm, Tiffany has the gift of like she can focus anywhere any moment. Maybe that's a public school kid. I don't know. I'm like homeschooler. I'm like, I need the right environment. My mother and edifying me and encouraging me. You can do this, John. Tiffany's like, I can pretty well just get dressed on a bus. I can like figure out how to do it underneath. I'm like, how are you doing that? You changed your whole outfit. Nothing came off. It was like public schooler. I'm like, foreign to me. All right. Does anybody understand that? Any public? Yeah. Okay. It's a thing. It's not for me. All right. We were... My mom, listen, guys, my mom would wake, my mom's Italian. She would wake me up some mornings. She would come in my room with a warm washcloth. She would rub my face as a little boy. And she would say, honey, wake up. I made fresh cookies this morning. So, so y'all, then I got married to a public schooler. It was like, you make your own breakfast. <laughs> we had the world of all of a sudden the world's clashed where my and my family, mom did it, and in her family, dad did it. And I'm like, well, you make coffee. She's like, no, the, the husband makes coffee. I'm like, well, no, the wife makes coffee. Well, we're not having coffee. Who's going to make coffee? My head is hurting. I give up. I'm going to make coffee. <laughs> so uh, it, it's, you think I'm joking. We grew up, oh, so differently. Tiffany grew up, she's like, in her house, you needed a pathway from the bed to the door to get out. That was the cleaning standards for Tiffany. My mom, you did not leave the house until your room, your bed was made. It was like, it was nicely done. And oh my goodness, the, the wars. Anybody in this room married know what I'm talking about? Man, I could go, I feel like I could go into premarital counsel or marriage counseling right now, right? Um, <laughs> so I said all that to say, I don't know why I said all that, um, but I, I, I really wanted to, this topic of forgiveness, I, I feel a little ill-prepared because I have a lot of thoughts, but I didn't have time to really lay it out as good as I'd like to, so have some mercy on me, okay? But I feel like I'm supposed to talk about it this morning. So Lord, we just ask that you would um, just prepare our hearts right now, because I feel like you're going to really dig into some things this morning and maybe shake us up a little bit. But on the other side of it is great freedom. Great freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. Going to be a little pastory this morning. I don't normally teach on topics like these. Not that I mean, forgiveness is like the foundation of the kingdom. Um, I remember going to a conference. Um, actually, it was Danny Silk. And, uh, and uh, <laughs> this is all public now. Jonathan Welton and Karen, who go to this church four years ago, had blown up his whole ministry. It was a worldwide ministry, and he blew it up like two weeks before a huge conference. And everyone had bought tickets. I mean, it was like a mess. 
And um, again, he shares all of this online. Um, and I remember Danny was like, well, we need to just have the conference. It's such a pastoral heart. He's like, they're already coming. We can help them heal. And uh, I remember he got up there at the last session. He should have been the first session. And he got up there and basically told the whole room. He's like, if you actually believe in the better covenant, you have to believe in forgiveness. And there was like this gut punch in the room because he had just broken a lot of people's trust. He just hurt a whole lot of people. <laughs> and I remember Danny just saying, just, just like this. And he'd come up to me and Tiffany. We, we led worship at this conference. And he came come up to us beforehand. He said, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to lead worship at the end of my sermon. And it's not going to be easy. Boy, was that right. It's like singing to a wall. Got up at the end, and people were like so, he had just brought the facts of forgiveness. And I, I kind of want to just talk about, um, not going to dig into, there's so much on this topic, and we'll see where it goes in future weeks. But this morning, I really want to just talk about the power of forgiveness because I believe that forgiveness or lack of forgiveness is really the ultimate compass in your life. I don't care how much you prepared. I meet people that, like, they went to school for something, they worked, they, did, they put their whole life together, and something can come in and happen to you, and unforgiveness will take over your life. It's amazing. Years of preparation, people have worked towards things, they focus, they know where they're going, and events and things start happening in their life where unforgiveness is, and it ultimately will always be the loudest voice of where you're going. It's forgiveness or lack of. Amen. I'm going to hit a couple myths, forgiveness myths, all right? Forgiveness myth number one is when I forgive you, that gives you access to my world again. That is a myth. That is a bad idea. Forgiveness does not give you access to my world again. That is something that a lot of people think, um, I think we hear scriptures, and I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but we hear things like Jesus forgives our sins and he forgets them and and so we get this idea like just forgive and forget and move on like nothing happened and unfortunately it just keeps leading to pain and so that's a really big myth that when I forgive you that gives access to my world again um, another myth would be that by forgiving someone it will give them a free past with what they did and it belittles my emotions. So we, we begin to think that if I forgive you, I am giving you a pass on how you treated me. <laughs> you guys are going to get hit between the eyes this morning. Another myth is that forgiveness is for the person you're forgiving. Forgiveness, this is the big one. This is going to be the foundation of what we talk about this morning. Forgiveness really has very little to do. I mean, it has everything to do with the restoration and stepping into the process of restoring a relationship. But forgiveness is all about you. When you forgive them, it's all about you. It's all about you. So this idea that um, I need to forgive you for you, that's not true. We see this all the time. We see it with people. Well, you really, you really hurt me, and you know, you hurt me, so I'm gonna stick it to you by not forgiving you. And what you're really doing is saying, I'm gonna stick it to you by not forgiving you, but what you're really doing is I'm gonna stick it to you by not forgiving you. Why does it hurt so bad? Because you're not sticking it to them. 
they're still sticking it to you. <laughs> you see, there's some truths. I want to hit some myths and some truths. A forgiveness truth is that forgiveness withheld is punishing yourself. When you withhold forgiveness towards someone, you're actually punishing yourself with the intentions of making them pay for what they did to you. You hurt me, and you're going to pay for it. But in all reality, I'm putting myself into punishment. And, you know, <laughs> I remember... <laughs> I remember, I think he just walked out, my nephew, so I got a moment to tell this story before he gets back in. Um, my nephew's 21 now, uh, when he was a little boy. He, uh, we had this hilarious thing happen. We were driving down the road, and he was like four or five years old, and really little. And I was teasing him, just kept, you know, just kept messing with him, and he was getting real irritated, you know, he's just, you know, I don't know what I was doing. I just kept messing with him. And finally, he goes, he says, Johnny, that's it. He said, I'm going to kiss you in the butt. <laughs> I said, you're going to what? He said, I'm going to kiss you in the butt. Now, I know he's saying kick you in the butt in his little head, but he's just saying, I'm going to kiss your butt. And he was so fierce with it. And I was like, I can't even say anything back right now. And I'm just laughing because he's like, I'm going to kiss your butt. And I think for people, like in all reality, when we're withholding forgiveness towards someone, it's the same idea like, I'm going to kiss your butt. <laughs> Sorry if that offends you. I don't know if it's offensive. You'll live. Um, if not, erase that and, and you'll sit in a healing chair. You'll feel better. Um, <laughs> And, and so this, this thing of I'm not going to, you know, give you healing because I'm going to get you is the same idea of like I'm, it, you're, you're punishing yourself. And forgiveness, though, it is the first step of restoration and relationship. But forgiveness, I'm going to say this too, forgiveness doesn't require relationship. It's important. Forgiveness doesn't require. Some people are afraid to forgive because they're like, I just don't want to be in a relationship with them anymore. You are free to make that decision. Now, don't, take, don't hear what I'm not saying. If you're married, there's some different parameters in this conversation. You're like, well, finally, someone told me. I'm out, you know. That's, I'm talking about in, in, in regular relationships in life that the idea of I forgive you doesn't mean I choose to be in relationship with you. You can, I forgive you, but I'm not looking to be in a relationship at this point in time. Some of you may not even be able to say that. You're like, ever. Uh, you know, I'm, be careful with those things, but I'm not looking for relationship right now. And it's absolutely necessary. It's, it's not necessary. How do I say this? Forgiveness doesn't require restoration of relationship. But if you want restoration of your inner world, forgiveness is required. Because how many of you know, end of the day, you're the one that's stuck living with you. They move on. It's so sad. I'm going to get to some of the repeat. And I apologize if I go a little over. Parents, don't forget your kids today. Um, I feel like I may go a little bit over. But um, 
people that hurt you move on. They just do. And you're, you're stuck with the pain if you choose not to forgive. Another myth is that I control you by withholding punishment, forgiveness from you. I control you. Oh, man. I meet people often and, and that come up to me, and, I, and I, I don't mind it, but it's always a little awkward, that will say, I have had offense in my heart towards you. They'll come up and, like, admit offense and towards me that has been in their heart for years. And it's like they admit it, and I hear it, and they're like, I have just been so upset with you for years. And I think, man, I'm so glad that you're dealing with this. But there's also a reality that that unforgiveness in you really hasn't affected me all these years. That's hard for people to hear because the idea of them withholding it was thinking it is impacting you. And people will come up and say, I've had this offense towards you. I haven't forgiven you. And I'll be like, thanks. Um, but I'm thinking, man, I didn't even know anything was wrong. Now, in certain relationships, that's not the case. In certain relationships where I have a strong connection, not all of them, there's obviously sometimes when there's a sense of unforgiveness, it speaks loudly. You walk into the room and all of a sudden say, oh, something's here. Something happened. You're hurting. Okay. And you can feel that. But sometimes you don't. In a room this size, there may be people that, listen, I promise you, you get offended somewhere along the way. I'm not hoping you do, but it's just, it's a process of doing life with people. But you withholding anything from them does not control them at all. It doesn't take their sleep at night. It takes your sleep at night. And I'm always amazed at the, the lack of understanding that the foundation of our belief in the Lord is forgiveness, and there's actually such a lack of understanding how to forgive. People are great at remorse. I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry what I did to you. Good. Now repent. But I am repenting. No, you're crying. Sorry, too much? And I'm, I'm repenting. Okay, we'll come back in a few weeks, and I'm going to ask your wife how you're doing. <laughs> I love asking the spouse, I'm, how are you doing? Uh, you know, ask, well, I think I'm doing better. How's he doing? No better. <laughs> Keep trying. Keep trying. Keep trying. Why? Because we are really good since little kids at knowing how to cry to get what we want. We were raised that way. I cry, I get it. I cry, I get what I want. I cry when someone's upset with me. What do I want? I want them to leave me alone. I want to stop feeling bad. So I cry. I, it doesn't have to be little tears. It could be this, this feeling of remorse, and it gets me out of it. And where the true breakdown often happens when we get into this topic of forgiveness is we don't understand the dividing lines between forgiveness and restoration of trust. Forgiveness is the foundation to, if you want to go into the, the restoration of trust. 
You can't do it without forgiveness. But forgiveness does not mean restoration of trust. Let's say someone betrays you, and this has happened in the past. It's happened many times to you before, and um, they're so sorry, and you know, they say, I'm not going to do it again. And in your mind, you're thinking, if I forgive them, um, I'm going to set myself up to go through this again. So now you have in your mind decided that forgiveness is restoration of trust. You see... We deal with this a lot. You're, you're confronted with, if I forgive you, it's going to put me into a place of vulnerability where I have to go through this again. If that's what you feel, you probably don't understand trust, uh, forgiveness very well. And, you know, people are like, well, man, I have forgiven them so many times. Great. You're starting to look more like Jesus. Well, man, how many times, here it is, how many times is enough? I don't know that I can give you an exact answer to that, but I do know in Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, that Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven? Some of you, man, like seven would be good. <laughs> Jesus answered, I tell you, not just seven times, but 70 times seven. What is that? 490 times per person. I love Jesus. He's just like seven. <laughs> How about almost 500? That feels about right. But wait a minute. I don't think my heart can take that many times. Well, maybe you don't understand forgiveness versus restoration of trust. Your heart can't take not forgiving. You want to know what your heart can't take is unforgiveness. It literally can't take that. And... I, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm taking it too far, but I, I have a, like, I, I call it a fun thing. I like to look at things in the Old Testament and the New Testament that are like prototypes. And so I started researching this, and I saw that it took 490 years to rebuild Jerusalem. And, and what, what an idea, though. What, I can't say this is the Bible, but, you know, you know in this new covenant, you know, the, the new Jerusalem, that's, that's you and I. And there is a restoration that comes with the ability to forgive. You want to see this Jerusalem built? It's built on forgiveness. Another, another myth that we often have is that forgiveness means another chance. No more chances for you. <laughs> you guys are so quiet. <laughs> Your faces look so guilty. Oh, we all struggle with this. I mean, if 99% if of what we do in marriage counseling, pre-marriage counseling, children counseling, every counseling under the sun, sozo, is like finding all these areas where forgiveness has not been given. Now, there is more beyond that, but so much of it comes back to the root of, have you actually forgiven them? Well, I said the prayer. What if, what if maybe, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. There is, there is a depth of forgiveness that has to happen that often has to do with the depth of the pain and betrayal. And sometimes we think, I can just pray a little prayer of forgiveness from here, and it doesn't sink into here, and wonder why it hasn't dealt with it. That's at the end of my sermon. 
You see, when someone hurts you more than once, your ability, uh, I want you to understand this, that your ability to actually make clear decisions is actually rooted in your heart being in a place of forgiveness. When your heart is not in a place of forgiveness, what happens is, is you think you're making clear decisions. You think you're protecting yourself. And in all reality, you are in one of the most dangerous places you can make decisions. Is from a place of unforgiveness. Because when we make choices from places of unforgiveness, we can actually begin to be as toxic as the person who hurt us. If not more, I watch the progress. My goodness, I have seen the simplest of things. The simplest of things cause hurt, pain, go on. And here we are. We get into this piece of it's taken over my life. Unforgiveness can be like a garden. It grows offense. It grows bitterness. It grows hatred. It grows control. It grows vengeance. And you've got this whole garden that is now a false sense of power. You're not getting me again. Often when we're hurt by somebody, we're left feeling powerless. That, that, that emptiness in us can be a powerlessness. It feels powerless. And we're looking for ways to reestablish power. How do I feel powerful again? When you did that, you ripped the rug out from underneath me, and I don't feel powerful. So how can I feel powerful again? And if we aren't careful, what we can do is we can actually pick up the counterfeit of power, which is called control. See, control and power, often people think they're the same thing, but they are very different. Control could look like power, and unforgiveness is longing to find a sense of power so it will lean into how can I control because it feels like I'm getting power back again. Basically, we begin to convince ourselves that unforgiveness is now my shield. You can't get past this. And our mind thinks, if I forgive, there is going to be a crack in the shield. They could get through at me. If I, don't for, if, I, if I don't forgive them, they can't hurt me. Here's the sad truth. I was thinking about this. Remember when the Bible says, and I can't remember if it's in 1 John, it says it's a, this scripture that blows my mind that basically the Lord says, whoever you extend forgiveness to, God says, I'll extend forgiveness to Remember that? And if you withhold, he says, I'll withhold. There's this unique dynamic in the kingdom of God that I don't really fully understand, but forgiveness or lack of forgiveness attracts either God or other spirits. 
when you forgive, you become someone, the Bible says that God is just, I, I see God like following around like, all right, great job. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. They're forgiven. When you walk around and you're not forgiving, what happens is when you do forgive, it's like a beacon that God's like, great job. I see it. When you don't forgive, it's also like a beacon that attracts the same spirit that already hurt you, which is why people go around and around and around and Well, I got rid of that person that hurt me, and here we are another year later. Oh, it's the same thing. Get rid of them. Round. Can you believe it? Another one. We all deal with this. I deal with this. You deal with this. And what happens is, is we begin to put a target on ourselves that in the spirit realm, that we have two options. We can walk in unforgiveness where God says, where, where we begin to attract things that we don't want, or we can begin to walk in forgiveness that he says, I want to forgive who you forgive. And this is why we get on, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of other great answers that are way beyond me, but this is one of the reasons that we can get into a repeat. It's called familiar spirits. They keep coming. It's familiar. I've seen you before. I know you. Here you are again. One of the greatest ways that we have to battle that is the greatest miracle that we have within our ability is to forgive and to break the cycles. But the enemy has convinced us if you don't forgive, you're safer. Eesh. Unforgiveness doesn't keep you safe. It draws the same people into your life. Unforgiveness does not protect you. It makes you vulnerable to the same behavior. Forgiveness will actually give you this, this objectivity uh, to make clear and wise decisions. What, what do I mean by that? Um, I know when I get upset and I need to offer forgiveness, I usually have to hit hold for a little bit. <laughs> Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, you want to go right to dealing with things, and I'm like, I got to hit hold. It doesn't matter if it's my kids. It doesn't matter who it is. I need to hit hold. Some people, you're quicker than me. Some of you are longer. Some of you, it's an hour. Some of you, it's a day. Some of you, it's a year. But you're, 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 it shouldn't take that long. Um, hopefully not. Um, But when we begin to make decisions from the place of unforgiveness, we actually are one of the most clouded places in our mind we'll ever be at. Because the Bible says that you're supposed to have your mind renewed to be like the mind of Christ. Well, it can't happen outside of forgiveness because that's who he is. So for my mind to become like his, it only happens through this conduit of forgiving, forgiving, forgiving. And, and, and what happens is, is when we, here's one of the reasons it's so dangerous, is that when we make decisions, when we make moves out of pain, and we do it often, man, it's, it's, that's like what social media is full of. And what it does is, here's what it does. Everybody who has pain like me, give me a like. 
Everyone who's not forgiving, like it. And here's what happens. We start getting everybody on our bandwagons. And now we have a train of people walking in unforgiveness. And now I'm feeling powerful. I'm feeling powerful because I found agreement. And we know that the Bible says that where two or three agree, things happen. I know what it says. I know that it's in the context of God is there. But things happen through agreement. Things happen. That's why pain looks for agreement. It, uh, offense looks for agreement. That's why I think that Jesus was so good at forgiving. You ever thought about the fact that like, he was on the cross being beaten and he was forgiving them while they were doing it? Forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They're still doing it. He wasn't letting that hang around. But there's no, there's no remorse. doesn't matter. It's about me, not them. The most Christ-like thing that we have to do, the opportunity to do as a believer is to forgive someone else. The most you look like Jesus is when you forgive. If you have kids and you ever see them do something, it's like, oh, that was so your mother. Or that was so your father. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about. You see a little aspect of your kid come out and it's like, wow, that was me. Good or bad, that was me. Or that was your mom. When we forgive, you never look more like Jesus than forgiving in the face of pain. People are like, wow, that looked like Jesus. Because I know that wasn't you. That oh, looks so much like Jesus. And forgiveness begins to change the way you see things. It begins to give you a, a new set of glasses to see life through. And so I, I don't have a whole lot of time. I'm rushing through some of this this morning. But what's on the other side of forgiveness? Because, John, you said rest, forgiveness doesn't mean restoration of trust. Forgiveness doesn't mean um, that you get to hurt me again. So let's, let's talk about a little bit of that because Many times, like I said earlier, we have this idea of just forgive and forget. Let's move on. Forgive and forget. There's only so many times you're going to forgive, forget, do it again before it starts getting to you. I forgave and forgot, and it happened again. I didn't think this is how it worked. Oh, man, it's hard. And so what's on the other side of it? And I want to talk to you about this because forgiveness with the intention of connection, it's going to come with a lot of communication. Calling it forgiveness with the intention of connection, it, it allows us to enter into a healing process in relationship. The healing process and restoration of trust comes with so much more than just, I forgive you. That is the foundation of this. Do you guys still with me? I know I'm, I'm going, I'm just pouring out on you. So, so one of the things... Of, of, of forgiveness with the intention of connection for restoration that we all have to do is that there comes a point where we have to take responsibility. Now, let's talk about taking responsibility. What does that mean? People are like, well, you need to own up for your mess, right? You know, own up to what you did. What do we mean by ownership? What, what does that mean? Um, I, I think often things change when you, I don't know if you've ever rented a home versus owned a home. 
You rent a home and things go wrong, you call the person that owns the home and say, it's your house, deal with it. Because you own it. You call the landlord, you're in charge of this, not me. How many of you know when you own the home, you don't get to just call and say, hey, it's not my problem. Why? Because it's your house. You're responsible to figure out what's going on. You're responsible for the why there is an issue here. Why am I dealing with this? Why does this happen? I'm oh, talking about a house. Why is the, you know, um, I remember we had a Sunday night service. This was back when it was wintertime, and it was really cold. And all of a sudden, I came home, and our heat didn't work. And I mean, remember that? It was cold. And Tiffany's like, it's really cold, like camping cold. Some of you are like, that's this room right now. It is a little cold right now. Um, and uh, But I, I remember I got to the house, and it was a Sunday night service. I went out with people to eat dinner, and I got home, and it was like, gosh, close to midnight. Guess what? I own the house. I had to get to why is this not working? Why? Because I am responsible. And I know that this is on me. And so often, we, we, well, one of the things that can rob us of a good conversation of rebuilding trust is, that's your fault. It's not my fault. That's your fault. Well, <laughs> and we have to ask the right questions. We have to ask the right connections with with what's our end goal? What's our end goal of this? Now, here, I'm going to give you something important because this is really important. If my end goal is not connection, I don't have the right to know everything. Oh, boy. Because when you start opening up to me and telling me the whys, without the intent of connection, they will be used as weapons opposed to restoration. Here is why. Here is how I felt. Here is this, oh, that's why you're the way you are. Instead of, that's why you did that. Because we want answers, right? I need answers. We love our answers. There's a scripture that really blows that away. It says, you know, you can get peace that surpasses all understanding. Sometimes we find that if we want peace, we have to be okay with just not understanding why it happened. And at the end of the day, if I had a choice between peace or knowing what happened, I choose peace. Because knowing why they did it doesn't give me peace. But I know he can give me peace. Can we warm it up a degree or two? My hands are cold. It's, 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 the idea of, it's the idea of tools. Tools are great. A hammer is great. Hammers are awesome if you're driving in nails. But the same tool can be used to break a window. When we begin to use the wrong, people have tools, right? I hear people, that was one of the conversations me and Danny had, because he's like, man, people miss you. <laughs> He's like, people misuse my stuff all the time. He's like, but I feel good because people misuse the Bible too. And he's like, but people use the tools that I try to just put out there as weapons against people. And we can get into this place where we begin to weaponize things. That in our minds, we're saying, I need to get through this here, here, here. But the question is, is 
that it can be dangerous if the end goal isn't connection and relationship. Now you're saying, well, I thought I didn't have to have it. You don't. You have every right to walk away from someone who has hurt you. But you can't walk away from forgiving. This is so hard sometimes because, you know, we want the right to have answers. Because it feels good. Guys, <laughs> we've all been through this. I, we go through this so much, all of us do, of, of not understanding things. And my personality type can drive itself crazy trying to figure things out. That's just how I'm wired. I don't let everyone know, but ask my wife. She'll be like, John, let it go. John, let it go. Have you forgiven? You see, I can't see someone who has hurt me. If you've hurt me, I don't have the right to see into you for all my answers if I still won't protect you, even if you've hurt me. Wait, you're the bad guy. <laughs> well, there's stuff like love your enemy. My ability to ask and to dig into you and know answers is based on the ability to say, I'll still protect you. But if we're going to see any, any relationship, we're going to have to talk about this. And sometimes we get into the, the, heart, the heart of this is we have two options. To forgive, well, there's lots of options, but let's say we, we forgive and we can, walk, we can step away from it, and you have the freedom to do that. Or we, we often, we know that we're called to walk towards something that scares us. That scares me. Ownership comes with intentional awareness. When we become, when we begin to try to own things we've done, we have to begin to become intentional about being aware. Um... We're responsible to make ourselves aware. I've learned so many things about different personality types, and that's kind of a, I just love learning about people because my personality type loves to not have a set guidelines of how to do something. I love to build it. Like, that's, I, I, I come alive with that. If I were to sit into an atmosphere that says, here's your parameters, do it this way, I'd be like, ugh. I found out everyone's not like that. Actually, most people are not like that. And so I'm saying, I trust you. And they're like, you don't care about me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I trust you. It doesn't feel that way. So then you have to begin to learn. Now, wait a minute. What I understand as trust, you understand as you're leaving me out to dry. Because for me, you giving me the freedom to make choices says, 
you trust me. For someone who doesn't, their brain's not wired that way, they say, I just need you to tell me what to do, and I know that you love me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? On, yeah, I won't get into that. What if we really went after this thing? You see, this, this process creates a path for, for, we begin to create a path for restoration. And, and I heard an analogy once that really caught my attention. It said that the conversations that need to happen in the paths of restoration is like a game of badminton. But when you're hurt, we come out with a hammer to a badminton game. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I thought we were playing, you know. And, and like coming out with a hatchet, let's play. You're like, whoa, buddy, whoa, buddy. When we can get to the point where we can have conversations and we can just say, hey, listen, I want to experience you, but you're going to have to also experience me. And here's how that felt. Okay, thanks. Over on the side, that makes sense, because here's how that felt. Now, when you come in and go, here's how this felt. (laughs) What happens? We protect. You're going to blow my head off. I, I got to sit in a conversation recently, and um, one of the things that just was so amazing, Danny was talking about the, the process of restoration with Jonathan. He said, I, I hope it's not, okay, I say this. I know it's not private. He said, I realized that the board that had put, put over him for an oversight board, none of them had the intention of actually seeing him restored. at least not any time, some of them never, most of them never. And he said, we had a breakdown when we had the people that are supposed to be restoring you have no intention to see you ever restored. And they had to dissolve, and he, he, he was the head of the board, and he sent a letter out, and he dissolved the board. He said, I realize we have a problem. This is a firing squad, not a restoration board. What does that mean? Take a wrong move, I'll blow your head off, buddy. And we have a problem. What would it look like if we all got to the point where we started getting like Jesus did? Where Jesus could be hanging on the cross saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. What would it look like when someone is literally to your face offending you? And in your heart, you're saying, Lord, just forgive them. Yeah, like happy feelings. <laughs> what would it look like to, to in the moment, or, or, or here's a better one. Here's a really good one. What if we all got to the place where we realized, I did you wrong, and I need to go ask you if you'll forgive me? Not the man. If anybody demands forgiveness... You got a problem. I need to go let you know I blew it. I realized I blew it. 
And will you forgive me? We'd have a lot happier marriages if we would just go straight to, listen, I blew it. Tiffany and I, we do this all the time. Hey, I blew it. I was stressed about this or that or that, and I definitely took it out on you. I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And I always say, will you forgive me? I do not want just to apologize. I'm okay with her hearing the position of my heart is sorrow, but I need to ask for forgiveness. And I can't require forgiveness, but if she decides to give it, we encounter the Lord in our marriage in a moment right there that is powerful. I choose to forgive you. Nobody can require forgiveness of you. It's a choice. Because forgiveness is not for them. If you get anything today, forgiveness is for you. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to, I haven't run out of time, and I have too much left. um, Unforgiveness in you becomes like an infection. Uh, I'm going to call it like an infection in your blood. Becomes like an infection in your blood. And it's this slow burn that goes from a pain to offense to bitterness to aggression to hatred and ultimately can lead to death. The goal of unforgiveness in everybody's life, the goal of the enemy is death. It's not life. So let's real quick talk about the process of forgiveness because we hear all the time that, well, you know, forgiveness is immediate, but trust takes time. Okay, let me talk about that a second. The moment you give forgiveness, it's immediate. Sometimes there's a process of getting to the place of forgiveness that is hard. Sometimes uh, the Bible says that Jesus was, anytime you read the scripture, it says that he was moved with compassion, something amazing happened. Often there is a process in us that for us to be able to step into the place of true forgiveness, we have to, here's where being a believer comes in. I need you, Lord, to give me empathy and compassion for the person that did me wrong. It's not always immediate. Every, I, I'm, I'll go out, and sometimes if I'm really upset, I have to just go out and do things, work, physical labor, go ride my tractor, go do something just to get unwound a little bit. And then I start feeling the Lord's heart towards them, and I start feeling his compassion towards them. And then he starts telling them, you know what, they're my kid. They're my kid. And what happens is, is that compassion can begin to build up in us. And sometimes it takes time to find empathy. It takes time to come into those feelings. Here's the deal. Feelings guard your heart. Feelings are the guard at your heart that either they keep you out or they can actually let you in. But if we get scared of feelings, we say, I'm not going anywhere near that. But when we begin to face our fears and say, all right, that doesn't feel good, but heart, I'm leaning into you, you've all of a sudden opened the door to begin to step into a place of being able to forgive. Jesus had, I was thinking about it. Remember when Jesus was at um, the Garden of Gethsemane right before he was taken away and he was, I mean, we're talking, he was so in pain, he was sweating blood. What's happening? I don't fully understand this passage, but I know one thing. He's getting ready to have to forgive everyone. 
there is a weight of forgiveness that's starting to come on his shoulders. That he's saying, if it's up to you, take the cup. I don't have to do it. But he's starting to feel, I mean, you think you've been through it with a hard time to forgive. I don't think I've ever sweat blood. Of like, I'm so under, he was feeling the weight of what was coming. I don't think it was really as much the crucifixion as the weight of the, of the forgiveness that was getting ready to be pulled from him was starting to be felt. And when we feel that, man, I got to forgive, it begins to weigh. And our feelings say, nah, you know, and, and you have a choice. I'm going to push in or I'm going to back off. And we can begin to, pain begins to say, you know, uh, somebody shows their remorse and pain says, that's just excuses. But compassion begins to say, oh, man, I, I can see there's some things wrong here. Sometimes I love standing with someone who's full of compassion because I can completely miss it, and the other person's like, I caught that. Do you feel that? I'm like, no, it irritated me. Really? <laughs> You're like, man, I ain't seeing, like, yeah, no, I can feel the pain. Compassion is not always easy. And let me just toss this in there. Empathy can often be confused with sympathy. Sympathy, though, comes with a savior complex. I can fix you. Empathy points you to the Savior. Sympathy comes in and says, oh, if I just, I'm not going to let this happen to anybody else. We're going to fix this. I'm going to fix you. And we begin to think, I can change you. You can't change anybody. You have a hard time changing yourself. We can't change anybody. Let's, get, let's wrap it up with this. Forgiveness has to go beyond this mental. Uh, there's like a mental process of forgiveness, but it has to enter into the deep place of emotional forgiveness. Um, trying to debate how deep to go into this. We can have a blood infection, and it's almost like we are in our mind saying, I forgive you, and I'm just putting, like, some topical cream on your hand and saying, why isn't it fixing it? I said I forgive you. And sometimes you have to lean in. You have to lean into the pain of, of you know, we see it with Jesus. We see that he wept. You have to lean into the pain. There is, there, I don't know how else to say it. I'm not a therapist, but I just there's, there's pain that is rooted so deep in you sometimes that the only way to get to it is to actually open up to the feelings that you're scared to death to open up to. That you have spent your life becoming a pro at not feeling. Man, I've gotten really good at not feeling those feelings. And but here's the deal. The level and the depth of healing and forgiveness that needs to be given, it's got to get in there. I've walked, we've, we've seen so many people that we've walked through this process with pain. Man, people have seen their parents do things that, like, my goodness, heartbreaking. 
and they're recapping it. And sometimes they have to go back and lean into it to get into that level of depth of forgiveness. Why? Because sometimes it's just shut off. I forgive them. Are you actually like here? You know, not you. I mean, when we're talking to somebody, you know, you're like, are you actually, is this sinking in? I feel like we're on autopilot. And people would begin to feel those pain, feel that pain, feel the depth of those emotions. And, and sometimes you get to that point where, I mean, people are weeping. I have had people like snotting everywhere, crying, and <laughs> I forgive them. And you feel like it just hit that level of depth. You got it. Maybe it starts up here. Maybe it starts with, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm forgiving you. And it works through a process in here. But there has to come a point where you have to lean into some of those emotions that you don't like. You have to allow yourself to feel deep because it will allow forgiveness to enter into those deep areas of pain. I know this is a random thing to preach on Sunday morning, but I just I kept hearing all week, John, Talk about my forgiveness. Talk about how I forgave you. Talk about how I was on the cross offering forgiveness. And I, I think that we, 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 so many of us, we just don't understand that forgiveness is not, it's not restoration. It's not trust. It's, it's not rebuilding this. It's something that I, as a believer, am responsible to give to anyone who needs it. And these emotions, they're powerful. They, they, man, I, people, the emotions, they can put them on and it can, it, can, it can scare you. You ever scared yourself? I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I'm serious. You ever done that? No one's going to admit it. But you did something, you're like, whoa, didn't know that was there. <laughs> do, 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 do. I need a sozo. It's <laughs> like, hey, I need some help. Like, that came out of nowhere. We all do that. Where did that come from? <laughs> and then we have this choice. Oh, man, I think I'm just tired. I'm just tired. I've been working hard. And how do I excuse that away? No, you being tired just weakened you enough to feel it. But now I felt it. There's something there I got to deal with. They're powerful. Emotions are so powerful. We've been taught to run away from them. They have the ability to protect us in an unhealthy way, but they also have the ability to open up for forgiveness. That's the beauty of them. They have the ability to protect. They're a gate to your heart. They can stay closed and they can protect, or they can open and say, I'm ready for to release forgiveness. And this stuff does not come easily. This is not an easy process, especially when you're hurt. But I want to challenge you to really lean in. I don't really have a way of ending this. Like, I'm not going to go through a mass cry fest at the end. Um, <laughs> I do feel like God's going to set some people free, and I do feel like I, I, my heart here is to give some tools and some awareness of some things. He is going to set some people free as we close out.
but I'm not going for just getting a big emotional rise. I genuinely want people to understand that forgiveness is for me. And forgiveness withheld isn't hurting the person you're withholding it from. It's hurting you. All right, let's stand up. I, I make any sense? Um, I know just shooting like from the hip a little bit, but <laughs> we used to have this speaker come in. He was. This, uh, Howie something. He was this Jewish um, speaker, and he was awesome because he'd be like, he was New York, and he'd always be like, God, he wants us to be in the school of the Spirit, and he was like, he would get up here like, he wants you to learn, and every time it was like, and 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 like it was his heart's message, but there is a, a a in a sense like a schooling that we have to go through both in the Spirit with this stuff that we have to be taught by the Spirit how to do this because it is not natural to your old nature to do this. It's just not. Your old nature is like pro-self-protect. So we have to let the Spirit teach us. But there's also, though, that, that has to, for all of us, turn into a place of intentional awareness of, hey, I didn't realize when I did this or this, that actually is misinterpreted. So I need to, what we call it is, I need to adjust Humility is the ability to adjust for others around you to be empowered. I will adjust if this will empower you more. And, and it's a process. Lord, we know that you set the bar really high for this. That, Lord, you knowingly went into the crucifixion. You knowingly went into this process of being hurt betrayed. Oh my, my goodness, I think about even when you were coming to the Last Supper, you already knew that these guys were going to betray you and you still chose covenant with them knowing they were going to betray you. You are so amazing that you would go, you would, you would enter into relationship knowing there was betrayal there. I, don't, I can't wrap my head around all that, but Lord, I just want to be more like you. So Holy Spirit, would you just highlight the areas in our hearts that we need to give forgiveness, every single one of us. Prayer team, would you come up this morning? And Father, would you just help us to hear your spirit and to learn from you and to let you guide us? Areas that maybe we've mentally given forgiveness, but we really haven't leaned into it. Father, would you give us the courage and the boldness to lean into those things that scare us? Because we know that you will be there with us. You're there with me. We bless you. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I, I have went over, so um, if you need prayer, there's, there's some wonderful people to pray with you. And have a blessed week.
You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message or sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.